Ryder kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Lone Star Beer. And our friends over at Hoff Power Players, Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending a part of your week with me. I do appreciate it, as there is no place that I'd rather be than right here, talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. And man, we've got a... uh, an interesting show, to say the least, lined up for you today, and I will tell you all about it here in just a second, but man, it is getting close, y'all. Dove season right around the corner, and uh, oh, we will have Field and Stream um, shotgun editor Phil Borgeli on the show next week to uh, get into a little shotgunning conversation, just a quick note there for you, uh, but as far as today is concerned... I can't even, I'm so excited, I can't even think straight when I start realizing dove season is here, then before you know it, it's early teal, archery elk, and we are into it full swing as far as the fall hunting season goes, but right now, today, I need you to pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire, pour yourself another cup of coffee out of Granddaddy's beat up old Stanley Thermos, because we are ready to rock and roll, and uh, to kick things off. We'll check in with Carl Van Seel of John X Safaris, who will be joining us from South Africa's Eastern Cape, as well as Kevin Harlander of First Light, who will be checking in from Idaho. So a roundtable discussion of sorts, and we'll examine the state of the guiding and outfitting industry as it pertains to this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I'm sad to say, People are going to be going out of business, losing their jobs. How has it affected international hunting across the pond? Obviously, Carl will have plenty of insight there as he is living it day in and day out. And then uh, Kevin with how closely First Light works with outfitters in North America, both in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, He has plenty to share uh, based off of his conversations with those outfitters here in recent weeks. So we'll spend some time on those fronts before transitioning into something a little more lighthearted, specifically those little short shorts that the African PHs wear. Uh, But really, all cultures have certain times of the year where they wear shorts outdoors more often than not. And, you know, in Texas, a lot of the times when it's 100 degrees outside, it's shorts and snake boots, which is probably not quite as a, an offensive look as the uh, village people uh, outfits that the the African guys wear, but certainly not a good look, right? Uh, but and then there's the the Idaho culture, the the Western hunter, which is more like hiking boots and shorts. Also, not a great look. Probably the least offensive of the three, but. We'll get into all of that, and I, I do want to know the history of the nut hugger. Uh, what's the deal there? <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll grill Carl pretty good on that, uh, and then we'll shift gears, check in with Chris Duncan of Stealth Cam. They've got a brand new cell camera out. It's called the Fusion. 
which I believe is a game changer for quite a few reasons. And we will dive into those specifically today. And, and then the various, I think, applications for cellular scouting. Uh, there's a lot more than, than just checking out a big buck on camera. Uh, so cool stuff coming up on that front as well. That's on the docket for today. Gonna be a good one. I promise you that. Well, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a, uh, a Lone Star Outdoors show signature edition, first light cipher cap. We'll throw in one of those Vortex Nation Texas t-shirts uh, from another great sponsor. So first light and Vortex combo today. Just email the word Lone Star. We'll make it easy today. Just Lone Star to Lone Star Outdoors show at gmail.com. You're entered into today's giveaway. We'll be right back with Kevin Harlander of First Light and Carl Van Seal of John X Safaris. It's a unique roundtable discussion coming at you next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. There's a storm in my rear view and a city on my nerve. He's a mind in the straightaway and there's comfort in the curve. Hey guys, Cable here for QuietCat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. QuietCat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a QuietCat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, QuietCat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. I'm Kevin Van Dam, and when I'm not hunting and fishing, there's no way that I'm listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. She wore them Navajo pearls and a turquoise ring. The head tied up high and holes in her. Ranch Girl Dream, the name of that one from Carson Jeffrey, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Lone Star Beer. Cable Smith here with you, and I can't tell you why, but I've always wanted a turquoise, a silver bracelet inlaid with turquoise. Back when I was waiting tables in college, one of the regulars that always sat in my sections, older guy, he had one, and you know his skin was all leathery. He'd been out in the sun way too much, but I love that that turquoise bracelet that he had. And I don't know if I'm old enough yet. I think maybe maybe for my 40th birthday I could start to pull that off. My wife thinks that it's ridiculous. So maybe when I'm 60, she said. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are about to get into a, a couple of interesting topics with our friend Kevin Harlander of First Light as well as Carl Van Seel, my longtime buddy, will be here from South Africa's Eastern Cape. So a little round table as we'll discuss the status of the outfitting industry amidst a global pandemic. 
Before we jump into that, however, this segment brought to you by the Stealth Cam Fusion Cellular Trail Cam, a brand new cell cam from Stealth Cam MSRP 199, I think. So probably the most affordable cell camera you're going to find out. They're certainly the most reliable. Plus, they've got the user-friendly app and the interface on there is, uh, man, it's awesome. Plus, you no longer have to go through a cell service provider. You just go right through Stealth Cam. They do it all. One-stop shop. It's the Fusion Cell Cam from Stealth Cam. You can find it at StealthCam.com. And now, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today, Carl Van Seal of John X Safaris, Kevin Harlander of First Light. Thanks for being here, fellas. Thank you very much, Cable. And Kevin, nice meeting you via Zoom, my man. Strange times in the world at the moment. Yeah, I wish we were going on a hunt together, Carl and, and Cable. Uh, I appreciate you having me out. It's good to chat with you. It's been a little while. Yeah, and I've missed hunts with both of you guys now, Kevin. A couple times you were supposed to come to Texas this spring for, for hogs and turkey. And then, Carl, uh, I was supposed to be in South Africa hunting Cape Buffalo with you last week. Exactly, Cable. You would have just been home for a, about a week now. You know, you would have, you know, your first week back home. So, I would have been uh, looking back fondly on those memories and that experience, and we would be busy planning the next, but here we are still hoping and dreaming of that Cape Buffalo. Well, fortunately, we've got that one rescheduled for February, and uh, Kevin, we've got a, a hunt coming up in Nebraska for, uh, for mule deer, I believe a muzzleloader hunt in December. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I mean, it's been incredibly strange times, and everything's gotten pushed around and moved back, and We've been just trying to figure out um, the best way to, to move forward. And, and luckily, you know, business on our side has been really, really doing well. Um, I think people are, are more attracted to, um, you know, procuring their own food and, and taking things in their own hands in such a strange time, which is good to see for the industry. But I, I do know the, the guide and outfitter community has been suffering then. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a hard year for a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You did tell me like Idaho has a bunch of, uh, I think it was, what was it, leftover deer or elk tags, Kevin, that never sells out. And, and this year they sold out like in three days or something. Yeah. So typically what happens is um, in Idaho specifically, there is the opportunity to purchase a second elk and deer tag um, as a resident after they've uh, allowed non-residents to purchase those tags. Um, so there's a, a certain allotment, right? And typically you know, right around August, um, there's an opportunity to purchase that second tag. And this year, those deer and elk tags sold out um, in the fastest amount of time in the history of Idaho. I think they were um, sold out by, you know, beginning of July. So, oh, wow. and just for reference, that's that's roughly like 14,000 deer tags in the state. Oh, wow. um, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. People want to yes. get outdoors, no doubt. Good number. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, something about Carl that you don't know, Kevin, is if he could hunt one North American species, he's really attracted to uh, mule deer. Yeah, absolutely. I've always said I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of hunting in Europe and I've hunted red deer uh, through most parts of Europe. And, and to me, that's very similar to elk. I know it's different, but uh, if I had a choice, I think it would be uh, in North America, it would be most certainly be a mule deer, very similar to our Cape Bushbuck Kudu mm -hmm. combo kind of behavior, the way you would hunt it, and and that's what we like, eh? So yeah. that, that's the kind of thing I'd like to pursue one day in the USA when time permits. 
Well, they're. Uh, well, we, uh, oh, go ahead. Make Kevin. that happen. Yeah, I was going to say we we're gonna have to make that happen at some point. <laughs> it, uh, the West is known for you know it's it's mule deer, but a lot of the states have a declining population. Um, Idaho is one of those where. They're not quite where they used to be, um, allegedly, but um, I think that our populations are pretty healthy for the most part, although, um, you know, habitat destruction and sort of this, just this disregard for winter range uh, in, the, in the past couple of decades has really lent itself to a decline in, in really, really good mature mule deer bucks. But um, there's a lot of agencies and a lot of organizations working on that. And, and in fact, First Light was working on uh, some bitter brush um, collection of, of seeds and, and replanting this last summer. So we're trying to do our part, but it, it would be, it would be just a joy to have you over here. So we'll have to get that set up at some point. I'd love to do that, Kevin. Yeah, sounds awesome, man. Really, yeah. that, that is something to look forward to in the future. Eh? Well, those Idaho muleys are a lot different than the ones that we have here in Texas that essentially inhabit the Texas panhandle and, and live in ag. Uh, that's where they're feeding and it's flat and, uh, totally different habitat and environment. Now we do have some in the Trans-Pecos and far West Texas as well, but, uh, that population of mule deer are not doing so great. Like you said, uh, Carl, Kevin, I want to get into a couple things today and, and we'll start by taking a look at how this pandemic has affected the outfitting industry from a global standpoint. So Carl, what has it generally been like for African safari outfits? You know, Cable, um, we were lucky. We, we, we got our season started. We got a few hunts through um, during early March. And then March 26th rolled along and our country went down. We, 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 we locked down. You know, we shut down. Um, we, 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 we were told at the time there'd be five levels, which we still, um, we're still now on level. Uh, we, we're supposed to be on level three now. Um, and, and there's talk of moving towards level one. When we get to level one, we'll be able to have international arrivals and departures again, and things start returning to normal. But since March 20, uh, March 26 has basically been a shutdown where we've not been able to conduct any international hunts whatsoever. And that's a bloodline of our business and many businesses similar to ours uh, in Africa, uh, in South Africa specifically. Further north, it's, uh, there's been a lot of great news. Tanzania has opened, um, Zambia has opened, Namibia has just opened as well. So we are hopeful that uh, we are soon to follow. Uh, I know Kenya is open to photo tourism. So those countries are leading the way and most certainly um, getting us heading in the right direction. But for all of us on the ground, for our staff, for our wildlife, for our communities and our businesses to survive, we do need the American hunter. We need the international traveling hunter. Um, our model is successfully based and built and it has grown and expanded into something unbelievable, but it has been possible through hunters and hunters dollars. So we, we in for a little bit of a stormy ride at the moment. It's not perfect. Uh, but we, we, we look forward towards the future and, and, and we say to ourselves, you know, uh, it, we've, had a, we've had four or five years of heavy droughts. You've hunted in some of those times where you've seen a bit of rain. Uh, other times you've seen it really under tough conditions. And we're treating this season as one where the game has rested nicely. Um, we've gone and had a look at some of our management uh, principles, some of our ideologies, we tweaked some of those and yeah, just reset things a little bit and we look forward to a big uh, season next year. 
Uh, we've been very lucky. Our hunters, uh, from personal experience, the Johnic Safaris, we've had the most unbelievable support where guys have come out, rebooked, they've booked bigger hunts, they've upgraded, they've added friends, family members. And so the hunting community has really pulled together and, and it's fixing to be our biggest year yet, 2021, with the rescheduling and existing bookings. So we've been very lucky and, and it's just another one of those fine, fine examples of hunters coming to the party and when the chips are down, they they sure know how to rally and get behind one. And so for that, we most appreciative and to all the hunters out there, a special word of appreciation to you if you don't hunt with Johnny Safaris, but to any of our com uh, our competition out there and the other outfitters, we all need you. We're all part of the industry and you guys make this all possible. So thank you very much. Carl, one thing that struck me is is kind of uh, interesting is South Africa only has eleven thousand cases, and uh, I mean, excuse me, like eleven thousand deaths. Um, we actually, I think we on just shy of nine thousand. Correct okay. you, correct you there, Cable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we just shy. We're eight thousand something. I, I saw yesterday on the news or something. Well, this is so a third world country we're talking about. So I would have thought that something like this would have just would, would have devastated Africa. I, I agree with you. Um, and I think the world would agree with you, but what they've learned with COVID-19 has been that um, no matter whatever side of the fence you're sitting on with regards to uh, what you believe in, what drugs work or don't work is the debates endless. It seems in the first world in the third world, unfortunately the debate uh, is non-existent. Because a lot of these folks are on tuberculosis medication for TB. Uh, a lot of these guys are on um, malaria medication. And all the drugs used to cure and prevent those diseases uh, play a major role in combating COVID-19. So there's something to be said in the sense that look at Africa's numbers. Look at what medication is being used on a regular basis. And uh, it, it, it's, there is a message in this. You know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not debating for the one pro for the other. I'm for whatever works, but mm. Africa has not been as hard hit as the world thought it would be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you basically lost your entire season this summer, which is your winter. Um, you mentioned that most of your clients didn't cancel. They, they rebooked, upgraded. Um, yeah, you know, Cable, I, I have to tell you that um, there was not even a 1%. It was like a half a percent uh, we, we had a cancellation from two gentlemen who are in the, they're they doctors and their hospitals basically said to them, you will not be going anywhere for the next 24 months. Mm -hmm. They were just, uh, that was kind of, it was private practice. That was kind of as the partners agreed and, and they contacted me and told me, you know what, yeah. Carl, we just won't be able to make it. Apart from them, I tell you what, I, I was amazed. I've been, I've been absolutely flabbergasted by the amount of people that have picked up the telephone, written the email, uh, and, and just the, the effort of rescheduling, uh, working with us, uh, understanding the importance of their hunts while we try and do our utmost to achieve this wonderful safari and it's part of their hobby and their dream and their passion for Africa. They recognize the fact that it is somebody's breadline. It is somebody's life and livelihood. And from the from their tracker to the skinner to the guys who are doing anti poaching, the guys who are managing fences, water holes, the ladies in the kitchen, the ladies cleaning the rooms, every 
every person associated with this industry, people have come to recognize and realize how important a lifeline it is, their jobs and these guys, you know, you guys coming on Safari. So that's been an amazing part of what this year has done for us. We've seen support like we've never experienced before. Well, that's certainly encouraging to hear that you guys have received that support, Carl. And I hope that that transcends across the African continent, uh, not just in South Africa. Uh, I do think North America has been affected differently. And I want to tackle that after the break. So I'm glad to have you guys sticking around. That segment was brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land's the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. So if you're ready to take that plunge and make that dream a reality, Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers out for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you, whether that's a place for running cattle, uh, hunting, fishing, recreating, or you just want to get the hell out of the big city. Go to LoneStarAgCredit.com today. We'll be right back with more from Kevin Harlander and Carl Van Seal on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I'm headed down the highway See the world a piece at a time Things didn't work out my way Hey guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind well you just attach the coon stopper to each leg it's so easy i just put one on a 300 pound all seasons feeder and <laughs> the results speak for themselves coons don't like it they basically attempt one time realize that it hurts and they're done throw in the towel just like that is the coon stopper and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at 3curl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Lone Star Beer. Gable Smith here with you today. Thanks for dropping by. We've still got uh, our buddy Carl Van Seal of John X Safaris on the line all the way from South Africa's Eastern Cape as well as First Light's Kevin Harlander, our good friend, uh, checking in from Idaho. And we're going to get back into that conversation momentarily. First, however, this segment is brought to you by First Light's Guide Light Shorts. It's what I am uh, actually wearing right now and what I've been wearing all summer because uh, whether you're filling feeders, fishing down on the coast, scouting the backcountry for a big bull elk to put your tag on this September, or maybe if you're like me, you recently picked golf back up. My kids are a little older now and I've decided, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a little gardening around the links these days. So been wearing the uh, Guide Lights to do that as well. They're perfect from the backcountry to the bar and anywhere in between. You can find them at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. 
Well, getting back into it here with Kevin and Carl, uh, you know, we discussed the impact that COVID-19 has had on the African safari industry, the lack of American dollars being pumped into that community. Uh, luckily, folks have just been postponing their hunts for the most part, which I believe is easier to do in Africa than it is here in the States just because of the weather being being what it is, especially in Canada. Uh, Kevin, First Light works hand-in-hand hand with a lot of outfitters. You speak to them frequently. What has their general mindset been now that they've lost their spring seasons, they're going to lose their fall seasons in a lot of cases, and uh, who knows when they'll be able to open back up? Yeah, that's a great question. Carl, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're having such great support with, with your clientele. I think um, it's it's really remarkable. I'd, I'd echo that to see sort of the rallying support. You know, at First Light, we've always been built on the ethos of this DIY situation, like encouraging people to, you know, take their expertise or lack thereof and just get out into the woods and, and, uh, and get after it and try it out. However, you know, we've recognized that and over time, you know, I was a former guide. We've worked with a lot of guides and, and it's a, a huge component of, of our industry and, and of our introduction into hunting for a lot of people, which is something we stand behind, you know, full force at first light. So, um, the biggest folks that were hit early on, it, it almost happened, um, in, in waves, right? So initially it was the, it was the fly fishing guides and sort of the more of the local guides that got just, um, annihilated by cancellations because of travel restrictions in the United States. Mostly, yeah. um, it's fairly safe. I would say to be outside and, and, you know, I was reading an article the other day that said that out of, it was like a thousand cases of coronavirus in China. Um, only two were contracted from folks that had spent, you know, time with infected people outside. So the, the rate of contraction in, in, in the outdoor environment is low. Um, and we know that as fact. So what, what has been frustrating to see is, is just this, um, this, this dismantling of the guide and outfit industry in, the, in North America. And so it started with the, with the fishing guides, and they've got pretty well hit, but we're able to kind of survive and come back and sort of um, rely on, on saving the end part of their season. But where it really hit hard was in, um, in Canada. So the Northwest yeah. Territories and, and BC basically shut yes. down the United States and international travel. So uh, all the sheep guides that we work with, specifically in the Northwest Territories, basically have no sheep season, which accounts for, you know, close to half a million to a million dollars per outfitter sometimes in, in, uh, in revenue. Um, yeah. So we've been running a program here in support of those um, folks called uh, First Lights Guide and Outfitter Relief Program, which basically encourages people to book trips in the future when things open back up. Um, and if they send us their proof of, of deposit, we'll send them a 15% off code for our gear. Um, yeah. We've been working with guides and outfitters really closely um, to make sure that, you know, they understand that we have their back fully. Um, yeah. And then moving towards this idea of like, okay, really what makes these guys survive in the interim is that cash flow of deposits. So yeah, absolutely. I can, I can vouch for that, Kevin. I tell you, if I look at our business, yeah. And the importance of those deposits, it's what will be able to carry us through to nature. So I can vouch from that on the other side of the world as well, man, big time. Yeah. And really, I mean, that's what's putting fuel in the airplanes. It's what's put, putting food on the table. It's fixing all the four or the, the four wheelers and ATVs and, 
you know, even simple things like being able to buy a new pair of boots. Uh, that's what makes those guides and outfitters sustainable. Um, so that's what we've been encouraging folks to do is instead of canceling and requiring that deposit back, um, we've been encouraging folks to book trips for 21, 22, 23, and get that cash in the hands of these outfitters so they can survive because, you know, they, they are sort of the lifeblood of introduction for hunting. Maybe it's um, somebody who's never stepped foot in, in the timber before in, in, in sheep country. Um, and maybe it's somebody who's, who's uh, you know, looking to complete that grand slam on, on, uh, on the world sheep stage. And, and I think that's, that's the most important part here is, is, you know, we wanted to make sure that those outfitters feel that they're not been left behind and, and we've got their back. So it's been an encouraging program. You know, we've had uh, multiple guides and outfitters really thankful for this thing and, and clients as well that are saying, Hey, this is a great thing. It's sort of a, a double-edged sword. I get to book a trip and I get to get some great gear in the process. And it's been wonderful to see sort of the reaction. And, you know, like all things, the hunting industry internationally is such a, a small world and a tight knit community. It's been really incredible to see the support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely it's it's really been amazing and, and you know on a personal level i'm supposed to go to bc for a black bear hunt in october kevin and in our private conversations i mean you've told me that you don't see that happening it's interesting because i think um it all comes down to sort of a the the canadian government understanding that um you know that there is a safe potentially safe way to do this um and i, and I do agree that initially when we were still figuring out what the heck was going on, it probably made sense to not bring, um, you know, international folks into those small native communities that really have no healthcare. I I totally understand that. I totally understand the fear. Um, and, and now as we start to understand this thing a little bit better, um, maybe there's an opportunity to, to, to open up those borders at some point, but you know, from our perspective, man, I, I think just talking to some guys, they, up there, they, they are uh, really hesitant to even say, you know, what to plan for because they just don't know, you know. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of a day-by-day thing here. Yeah. Well, you have a prime minister in Trudeau who hates guns and certainly aware that by keeping the border closed, he's crippling an industry that's made up of gun owners. I mean, that fact isn't lost on anyone. Um, yeah, there's probably, there's probably some, um, you know, ulterior motives there too. I imagine I, I hate to get into conspiracy theories on a, on a radio program, but I, I think there's, a, there's certainly an opportunity to look at this a little more closer and see like just from a dollars and cents standpoint, the amount of dollars going into specifically Canada on a yearly basis for hunting and fishing um, has to be astronomical. Um, and, and to sort of ignore that, I think there's a way to approach this from an economic and a, and a global health standpoint in which you uh, basically use both of those and, and take into consideration both of those while not holding one or the other higher than the, than the last. So certainly in a difficult position, I think, uh, as, a, as a leader. Uh, but, I, you know, it would be wonderful to see those industries be able to be propped up. And it's not like you can just get a year back, you know, that that's the hardest part. And I'm sure Carl, you, you can speak to this, but um, if 2020 goes away, that doesn't mean you can book three times the trips in 21. It just doesn't work that way. No, it, it doesn't work that way. We, we are much, you know, we, I think we are in a, in a, in a much more fortunate position in Africa where our season can be longer. You know, your guys weather 
is the big uh, determining factor in, in a lot of the areas, especially in BC and these places where you hunt sheep and, you know, where storms make it impossible to hunt, where we are lucky that we are able to extend our season, but we will never get it back. Uh, you know, whatever we've lost this year, it is what it is. It affects our developments. Uh, it affects the work we can do for our wildlife as well. I mean, I've seen that on the ground to a, a new level where one's just doing what you can when you can with the little bit you got to go around because first and foremost you must sustain your people and then look after your 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 your, your investment in your wildlife. You know, right. privatization in Africa, yeah, has been has been the greatest success. And during this period where the cash flow has run out, it's also been the greatest Achilles heel. Uh, because now we're on our own. You know, we don't have state support on this and 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 it is what it is. Uh, you know, it's there, there are many people with there are many people around the world affected by this, and we we're not any, you know, we, we're not any more special than any any other group of people or any other industry. We just we just want the opportunity to get back out, get hunting. We're not asking for help; we're just asking for the opportunity. Uh, we know in in the third world where we are, our state, we so far down the picking order of assistance. We just want to be allowed to have our hunters who will assist us and and and, and they will do so gladly and, and they'll continue to do so. So our plea with our state compared to yours is just give us the opportunity. You know, that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you you guys at least can kind of manipulate your seasons uh to make them a little longer. Those guys uh in Canada, you know, they've they've lost everything, lost spring seasons and now they're gonna lose entire falls. Yeah, you yeah. just can't get that back. And and I wonder how many of them will end up uh, going uh, bankrupt and having to to close the doors, so to speak, because, um, you know, they depend on those U.S. dollars. I've, I've personally hunted or fished in Canada. I was just doing it in, in my head, I think, six years in a row uh, for one thing or another. And you multiply that by the, you know, the entire outdoor community in the lower 48 and the financial commitment that they are – contributing to canada it's uh i don't know what the dollar amount is kevin um but uh it's it's got to be astronomical so yeah certainly significant and, and i think the biggest thing here cable is that uh, not only will they not get these seasons back but we will see significant um downturn in the amount of businesses and you know like in most simple um you know economics and, and capitalism competition is good because it keeps pricing affordable for people to get into and, and do some of these hunts and um, it's a little scary to me when just the giants will survive and some of these like mom and pop, so to speak, um, outfitters will, will cease to exist. And, you know, that's a handful of guides that'll be out of work. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of good friends who, who work in the Northwest territories who, um, you know, are out of work and it's, it's not that they can't find other work on, you know, oil rigs and, and, in the timber industry and things like that and more of the blue collar aspect, but, these are highly specialized sheep guides, you know, that can, can tell you if a ram is eight and a half or nine and a half from mm -hmm. about two miles away. Um, mm -hmm. And that skill set is, uh, is, is hard because you, if you don't get that experience and you don't get the opportunity to, to pursue these critters, um, I think those skill sets go away and suddenly, you know, we're talking about long-term uh, detriment to a, a really, really special place and a special uh, a sport and pursuit. Um, so it's been sort of unfortunate to see that, but you know, on, on the, on the flip side, on the more positive side, um, they're scrappy individuals, you know, the guide and outfitter community is one that 
can get by on, uh, you know, Frank and beans, so to speak for a right. long time. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and, and I'm feeling positive about their ability to sort of adapt and figure out what's next. Um, cause I don't think we're nearly through, um, the, the sort of the worst of this when it comes to the impact on industry. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's positive to see that they're, they're scrappy and, and they're always going to figure out a way to make it happen. So, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen some good things too. Yeah. Well, and one other thing to mention before we take a break is the, the conservation dollars, uh, that have been lost. And then also the management aspect of, you know, all of these mature older males of you know, name the species, uh, they weren't harvested for a year. And, uh, then you think about overpopulation and stuff like that. Um, that's another conversation for another day, but something to think about for sure. You know, due to, um, our July hunt being canceled, Carl, we rescheduled for a time of the year. You don't traditionally have hunters in camp and that's because it's your summer. It's February. Um, the days will be longer. I'm thinking about that swimming pool that I've never even stuck a toe in. I'm sure I'll be spending a little (laughs) bit of time in in there. Um, And I imagine it's going to be pretty warm. What's the weather going to be like? It's going to be hot. Um, You know, I think you're a Texas boy, so you know what heat's all about. Uh, but uh, what it, it it does add a whole new dimension what we that we don't usually um, experience and, and our hunters don't usually experience we do experience it out here as we prep for our season to start but the days will be nice and long uh, so we'll be up much earlier than usual so uh, um, our evening activities will be uh, rendered slightly but uh, the, um, um, the 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 I, I would say four thirty five o'clock will be a, a good time to get going in the morning because by 8.30, 9 o'clock, it's going to be um, pretty hot and, and most, most of the game starts heading back in. Now, the game out on the plains, uh, they'll still be out like, you know, the wildebeest, the springbuck, hemsbuck, stuff like that. But your bushbuck, your kudu, nyala, warthog, those kind of species, they're going to be gone. Uh, and then they're only going to come out late afternoon again from 4 o'clock, half past 4, and then you'll hunt right till like 7.30 in the evening. So the middle part of the day, uh, you will most certainly be enjoying the swimming pool. Um, there won't be much moving. And, and so, so we'll, we'll hunt smarter, uh, you know, hunt the best spots early morning, late afternoon. But you can expect temperatures, you know, 90 to 100, maybe 105 some days, you know, it'll be hot. That is warm. Let's take a quick break, guys. Come back and get into some of the regional differences uh, in our hunting apparel. Sound good? It sounds good, my man. Oh, I think Carl's nervous. All right. (laughs) That segment, by the way, brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and the Damn Fish Feeder. It's so easy. If you're feeding a stock pond, you know, you've put bass, catfish, crappie in there, whatever. You just put the damn fish feeder on your damn dam and you feed your damn fish. It's the damn fish feeder and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Up next, what's the damn deal with those damn short shorts that our African friends like to wear on safari? We'll discuss on the Lone Star Outdoors show. His moon shines on the silver rigolo, shimmers down the inland river flow, out there with the yellow belly bun. Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. 
I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road, and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer lease or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give them a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs. Get the children to the cellar, grab a Bible if you can. Something wicked comes this way to tear apart the land. Let the horses from the stable put the fire out in the steel. And evil wind is blowing through the hills. Well, Jason Bowling, I'm bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Presented by Lone Star Beer. Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your week with me. As we're about to put... Our good friend Carl Van Seals, feet to the flame. As we try to make sense of those short shorts that uh, African PHs and outfitters like to wear. Uh, But before we pick it back up with Carl and also First Light's Kevin Harlander, who was nice enough to stick around, this segment of the presentation brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. You know, whether it's uh, a white-tailed deer from Texas, a black bear from Canada, speckled trout, from the coast, or someday that Cape Buffalo that Carl and I are going to hunt together. A rustic reminders taxidermy has you covered. They've been doing all of my trophy mounts for going on a decade now. Josh and Becky Gunther are the best of the best. They treat each client with respect, and they do that by something. It's so simple, right? But they answer the phone when you call them. Imagine that, a taxidermist that isn't dodging you. (laughs) It's a novel concept, but they also do amazing work and offer quick turnaround time. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. All right. Well, let's get into something interesting and and a little bit humorous as well. We all have these regional differences in what we wear afield when we're hunting or fishing, but none so dramatic as, (laughs) I would say it's more of South African culture or, or African culture really, but Carl... Why do you guys wear those nut huggers on safari? This is your moment. You've been wanting to pin me down forever and ever. So this is it. And, yeah. and I don't have Royboy with me who should be taking all this, seeing as he wears shorts all year long. Yes, he does. And here I am, not yeah. seat. Okay, well, I don't know where that started, but it's a tradition in the safari industry. Um, I think it's big. You know, we... we as youngsters, we grow up with what we call the PT short, which is your like your gym short, but we play rugby in these shorts. And uh, your go-to pair of shorts as a kid is a pair of rugby shorts because we all play rugby, obviously. And then as you grow out of it, I think you become comfortable beyond rugby. You start having a – in rugby, you have a white pair or a blue pair. And then when you start going ranching and hunting, you you maybe wear a green pair. And, and as time goes – it grew into the African hunting short, which like you, you refer to them as really short, short nutcrackers. But uh, I'm not sure why. Um, we do like them. Uh, we find them very comfortable. We find the, the longer ones a bit cumbersome. We, we find them like, you know, pockets are too big, things are in the way. So we, we, we do prefer the short ones. But why and where it was developed, I'm not sure. I don't know where the fashion came from. And it's no fashion at all. It's just what we like. Well, you know, I, I, I told Kevin I've been living in the, the first, like, guide-like shorts this summer. Yeah. Uh, and 
those things would be like considered i don't know uh full length blue jeans to you guys Absolutely. Uh, but do you recall the one time that i actually wore shorts on our first safari i do I do. those were the shortest shorts i could find in north america i wanted to try to fit in <laughs> <laughs> then you guys were like, and i bet and I bet uh, Super Hunter Dylan Underwood had something to do with picking those out. I'm yeah. telling you. They weren't short enough. You guys made fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I ever get over there, I might have to uh, take a pair of these first light shorts and just hack off about 10 or 12 inches. <laughs> Re-sew a hem in there and, and see if I can make it work. Yeah. Kevin, if they, if they get near to your knees, it's just not good enough, man. they got to be half of that. <laughs> If they see your kneecaps, it's just not going to work. I'm telling you. All right. Well, that's yeah. no thing, man. That's, uh, you know, I've been hiking around in shorts a little bit, Cable, after we talked about it. And I got to say, it's pretty nice when it's hot out. Yeah. Well, and so that's what I want to, to talk about is like the Carl gave us a little background stemming from rugby and, you know, it's what South Africans are comfortable in. Um, in Texas, we have this kind of weird thing where as soon as turkey season ends, it gets hot as hell and you won't find me in pants. I mean, whether I'm out at the, the least filling feeders, um, uh, scouting, hiking, whatever, but it's usually, uh, in, in the guideline shorts and a pair of snake boots. And it's, it kind of looks funny, um, to be wearing shorts and, and boots basically or cowboy boots. Uh, but that's kind of our, our co- cultural thing down here. And it's, it's just become the norm, but you guys, Kevin, you're wearing, like you said, shorts and boots, but it's just a different boot. Yeah. So we're, we don't really have, you know, most of the West has snakes, right? But, but when we're in the high country, most of those snakes are down by the river, kind of the lower country. Um, So like when I'm scouting in the summertime and I'm going in just on day hikes, I'll wear shorts all day long. However, I think what the difference may be is like when we really get into hunting season, like for instance, this weekend, Um, I opened my mule deer season with a rifle, which is kind of a rare thing. So it's going to be 90 degrees on the opener. I mean, guaranteed it's going to be hot. So I'll still wear pants though, because when we're cross cross country and hills and and sort of side hilling that shale and sage and all that like upper Western, um, sort of vegetation is, is pretty rough on, uh, rough on the, the legs if you're not wearing something to protect them. Um, and we have a plant called Ceanothus here, which looks like a big buck brush, kind of a big leaf. And that stuff can grow, you know, to eight feet tall. Um, so when you're busting through there, it's not really conducive to shorts just because your legs will get pretty tore up. Um, and, you know, we, we make a couple pairs of pants that actually work uh, with your body temperature to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're regulating. And uh, those are called the obsidian merino wool pants. Um, so obviously wool is like a, a material that that wicks moisture keeps you cool but also can keep you pretty warm so those actually regulate pretty well but at the end of the day you know 90 degrees is 90 degrees however you stack it up whether you're wearing shorts or pants you're probably still going to be sweating a little bit so yeah and tell me with you guys wearing shorts in the states i've never really seen this but in africa we like wearing chaps which is obviously the over your boots we, we kind of cover so so thorns and things like that don't fall in between your boot and your sock and I hardly ever see that. I mean, I see you guys, Cable, there's some of those snake guards, you know, the, the rattle guards, whatever you call them. Some guys wear them like long extensions above the boot. But uh, I've never seen any of you guys wear 
chaps like we do. And, and I mean, we live in us. Even our kids have them, you know. Yeah, I'm sure those are sort of like gators, right, Cable? Yeah, like a, like a gator, but a small one. We don't like the long one. That's a real small one. It's like our shorts, I guess. That's small. Yeah, I'll, just send you, I'll send you a photo, Carl, of uh, these these little, these tiny gators uh, we make that basically just go right up and over the top of your shoe. They don't actually cover any of your shin um, for that main purpose. Like if you're going to wear shorts or, or running shoes. It might cover it up so you don't get that crap in your in your sock, which is man, that's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's annoying. You know, we we gave a iron to the springbuck uh, a couple of years ago, and I tell you, we had to crawl through some grass, and it was the worst stick of grass you can imagine. And we didn't have to crawl that far, but I tell you what, when we were done with that, we knew about it. And if it wasn't for those those the small gazes of mine, I tell you, I would have been in a whole lot more trouble. I think Cable was worse for wear than I was. Carl, I was certainly pulling uh, thorns out of my out of my shins and knees for months after that. Yeah, you know, I think it's just a it's a funny a funny look, regardless of it, whether it's the nut huggers or if it's a Texan wearing snake boots and shorts. Uh, probably the least offensive is the hiking boots and shorts, but yep. still, you know, even when you see some some people like wear that to the airport, you know, and I kind of look at it like, oh, that's it just looks different. Uh, <laughs> That's a Texan thing, man. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, Carl, I'm, I'm certainly, man, I'm looking forward to uh, making up that hunt in February, get after the Black Death, uh, a, a dream hunt for me to be chasing Cape Buffalo. You know, I've been on a buffalo hunt before with, with Glenn, um, yeah. and you and Greg, and and it goes from everybody high-fiving, slapping each other's asses uh, to a very somber experience where the PHs actually get guns out and, uh, and it becomes a very serious, uh, a very serious undertaking. So, um, yeah, that was interesting to see. Just yeah, I think, Cable, you will, you will see a whole different side, you know. Um, the seriousness of, of this hunt compared to some of your other hunts until we get a, a nice big bull in the salt and safely do so, it, it is a serious matter. You know, uh, my responsibility, my responsibility first and foremost is your safety, the trackers uh, with us on safari and anybody else who's with us. Uh, thereafter, obviously, a, a good clean kill on the buffalo is, is our, our, our second responsibility and, 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 and to do it respectfully. So I think all in all, Cable, it's just a... It is real. It is a ball game. You open where where, where he does where, where a buffalo can hurt you. He can kill you. Um, we recently had a youngster actually this last weekend in South Africa in a hunting community uh, get charged and uh, hit by a buffalo. He luckily could shoot the buffalo off him uh, when the buffalo was already um, basically he had pinned him down on the ground. He had he had a he had a nine millimeter on his on his hip. And he was able to crawl that and finish the buffalo. So wow. the buffalo does come with that reputation. It is not, uh, it, it's, it's not like hunting a guru, uh, but it, it's a reputation we respect, but it's one we certainly don't need to be cowboys about. Um, I always like to tell guys, yes, it, all these things that you read about, all of it is possible, uh, but let's not make it possible for us. You know, let, let us keep our slate clean, tidy, and, and as safe as possible. Uh, that's the goal, and, and have a great hunt. Um, on a very exciting hunt, Cable, I've been, uh, I have been doing a few management hunts here um, uh, during the course of the, of the last two, three months with local South Africans just filling their freezers. 
and the time spent in the field, I've really seen a lot of good buffalo. And, and I've, I've, I'm doing a lot of legwork scouting. Um, I actually start my season off with two buffalo and nature, so I'll be into the thick of things uh, in February. And uh, you, one of them, and then a buddy, buddy of mine from North Dakota, who's hunted all over Africa with me, and and has hunted buffalo all over Africa with me. And he's he, when I when this this whole COVID nineteen went down, he called me up and said, uh, you know what? Out of all the hunts, I want to come back and hunt a buffalo with you in the East Cap. So that that's pretty neat. That was a compliment mm-hmm. to the experience and. Uh, we've hunted six, seven countries together throughout Africa. And uh, that was what he really wanted to do. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But you can look forward to a lot of magnificent buffalo out and about all over the show, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll be wearing the, uh, the guide light shorts. You'll be wearing nut huggers. Um, <laughs> Those guide light shorts are nice because even though they are a little longer, they're uh, certainly light and, and cool and, and uh, they dry quickly. So I, I imagine there's quite a few. You know, everybody up here, though, in Idaho is wearing shorts and flip-flops all day. If we're not hunting, we're probably in, in shorts and flip-flops. And, and that's uh, uh, kind of just a cultural thing, too. You know, there's a lot of other places in the world where flip-flops aren't work attire. But here at First Light, we're pretty casual. So. <laughs> I'm wearing flip-flops and shorts right now. So. That's right. Uh, yeah, right on. Well, guys, I certainly appreciate the time today. And uh, I look forward to Carl being in camp with you in February. Kevin uh, will be in camp in December. Hope you guys have a great rest of the summer. And Kevin, good luck on that uh, mule deer hunt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Carl. It's been a pleasure chatting with you too. And and best of luck the rest of the way. And let us know how we can help you. And uh, Cable, looking forward to to sharing a camp with you soon. Yeah, Perfect, Kevin. Kevin, thanks. Nice meeting you, mate. And Cable, as always, my brother. Looking forward to the next grand adventure. Might be a big one. It will be epic, my friend. No doubt about that. You guys take care. Cheers, eh? Well, there they go. My longtime friend and PH, Carl Van Seel of John X Safaris and our good buddy Kevin Harlander from First Light. That segment proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics and the new Diamondback HD spotting scope series. If you're looking to add that spotter to your backcountry kit this fall, and trust me, I just picked one up from for my elk hunt in September. Uh, the Diamondback HD series offers you amazing performance that you come to expect from Vortex, but it won't break the bank. Starting MSRP is $499.99, which is a hell of a deal for a quality spotting scope. Plus, you get that Vortex VIP warranty, the best in the business. Vortex, the force of optics. Coming up next, wireless cell camera technology is ever-evolving, and that continues with the Stealth Cam Fusion. Chris Duncan joins us right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And they get by. They get by. We all get by. By the grace of God. We all get by. British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 to 7.5-year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, They've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. 
Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. That is the angelic voice of Joshua Ray Walker bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Voices, the latest off of his new record. And uh, Joshua will actually be here in studio with us next week. So certainly looking forward to that. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks for dropping by and uh, spending a part of your week with me as we're all set to get into the latest and greatest wireless cell camera technology from StealthCam the uh, industry leader in that department. They've got a new model out, which I think will be a game changer, not only for the price point, but also due to its user-friendly nature. And we'll get into that momentarily. But first, this segment is brought to you by Our Luck Outfitters, offering the finest in Newfoundland moose hunting. I took a nice bull with them last October. And here's what I'll tell you. If you're interested in seeing some beautiful country, uh, taking a nice bull, and not breaking the bank, then go to ourluckoutfitters.com. Let's uh, let's welcome our next guest. Joining us from, I believe, Iowa, it's my pleasure to welcome Stealth Cam's Chris Duncan to the show. You too. I appreciate you having me on here. My pleasure. And we haven't had the opportunity to visit previously, but obviously I've worked with GSM for a long time and, and certainly Stealth Cam as well. And we're going to talk about the latest technology from Stealth Cam today but before we do that let's get to know you a little bit you're up in i believe iowa yeah so i'm born and raised here in southern iowa and uh we've got an office right here in a town called knoxville so it's uh it's about southeast southeast of des moines about 40 miles okay um but yeah so i I came on board with gsm when they purchased mainstream holdings oh about a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. so Mainstream sold to GSM, and I was with Muddy and Hawk and Big Game at that time. And now I've transitioned over to working um, under the GSM umbrella, and everything's going great so far. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love the Hawk tree stand. That's what I've been using the last couple of years. Big fan of those. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Now, you guys have those big Midwest bucks up there? Yeah, it's a pretty good area. Um pretty lucky to be born and raised here and you know it's a hard place for for non-residents to draw a tag especially with the bow um but i would recommend to anybody who's who loves to who loves to hunt whitetails to start putting in preference points because it's a it's a pretty special place what is like the average size buck that you're chasing routinely um, so 
when I first started, I was obviously I wasn't too picky. I mean, I killed my first deer with a bow when I was 12 and now I'm 34, but now throughout the years of, um, you know, just hunting and raising my standards. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I always say age over inches. Mm-hmm. So you know, in a perfect world, I mean, we'd all get that monster. Um, but I typically try to, we try to manage for age. So if a deer is five or older, um, depending on how the season's going, we would, uh, fill our tag with him. But every, every farm that we're hunting for the most part, um, you know, it's going to have a deer in the range from 160 to 180 on it. (laughs) Uh, But they're not all, you know, I mean, there there might be one, you know, and Mm -hmm. on 400 acres or whatever. So Mm -hmm. we've got some, you know, we've got some times where you'll get one that's over 200. It's not, you know, like when you watch TV and some of these, some of these web shows, I mean, they kind of. It's not like the Lukowski's place. No. (laughs) No. And, And, you know, they've got, they've got so much land. And they're, you know, they've worked, they've worked their tails off to, to, you know, acquire that and get to the point they're in. But, oh, um, sure. you know, that's not, that's not just a, that's, that's not an average situation for most people, mm-hmm. but no. there's great deer up here. I mean, it's just, we try to go for age. So if we know a deer is four years old, then we, we do our best not to, not to shoot him. Yeah. So you're mostly private land then. Okay. Um, yeah. Which gives you that we, flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, we've got permission ground, and then we we lease a handful of farms as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big ones are smart. I, I was chasing uh, about a mid one seventies, non typical last year, and uh, just a beautiful buck with the drop time. And it was only on twenty acres though. And okay. He, you know the thing is, is that he didn't live there. I had I had to find him, be there when he was there, and it it was uh, I learned very quickly that hunting small tracks on, you know, urban, in urban areas, because we're, we're very urban here. That was in Collin County, like just outside of Dallas, essentially north of Dallas and outside of McKinney. And uh, there's a lot of other things you have to deal with. People coming onto the property, off, you know, wandering on off of a golf course or hot air balloons firing up on the next property over. You know, I'm sitting in my tree stand and hear this weird noise and all of a sudden here's this, I'm like, oh, that's what that was, is a hot air balloon that's now 50 feet above my tree stand. Oh my God! Yeah. It's and crazy. then neighbors' dogs. That was the main problem. Is that the neighbors' dogs? They they would not keep them off of the property. And you know, I had pictures of them. I I go over to the neighbor and say, "Look, I really need you to keep your dogs off here." And this went on for the whole season. And and finally, just had to get animal control involved. And they, I think they finally sent the message to them. But yeah, I didn't lease it again. It was very expensive because of its proximity to the Metroplex here. There's been a lot of big deer killed in Collin County, like over 200 inches in the last few years. It's archery-only county, so uh, they, they've gotten pretty big. And um, this area was closed to all deer hunting until about from the 70s until, I think, 2012. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, just a big old headache. So I took some of that money I dumped into that and got a a, a duck lease for my, my kiddos. I think that was just uh, something that we could all enjoy it together and save a lot of money in the process. Yeah, uh, for sure. I still well, kept my fun. other rifle or oh, it's just anything lease, but I still kept my other lease where we can go shoot a buck and hogs. It won't be the giant that I was chasing last year, but yeah, they get, uh, they get big for a reason. Oh yeah, no doubt. Did, uh, did that deer get shot then? I or never not? saw any, anything of, of you know, no, I mean, I would have known about it. It's a, it's a small, 
it's a small number of people that have access to hunt in Collin County, uh, just because it is so urban. And uh, and I and I I had put that deer all over social media. I didn't like tell people where I was hunting, but um, you know he was he was recognizable. And uh, no, I don't think he ever got shot. So who knows? Maybe the landowner will shoot him this year. It'd be cool if he yeah, did. For uh, sure. Yeah. Um, but one cool thing that that I had on that uh, twenty acres was I had six trail cameras going. Um, this is before the Fusion came out. So it was the um, the GXA, no, the uh, WXA, the uh, WXA, which is the AT&T wireless one. And yep. uh, I had those strategically placed, just trying to figure out where he was coming on to the property, you know, um, so I could try to ambush him. Because there was a feeder on there, but he's, oh my God, he wouldn't have anything to do with that feeder. You know, you'd have does. It's funny how some deer don't care and some deer just shy away from stuff. Oh, I mean, skirt. Like I did get a video of him one time, as close as he ever got to it, and he didn't come to it. He it was a video of him purposely going around it, like a yep. twenty yard loop. Like, nope, I'm not interested in that. Um, but I I was only on the property one time when he was on the property, and uh, he he just he ended up winding me. He came behind the blind which there was a trail that should have funneled him into a pipeline that the um, the city uses there to uh, they maintain a pipeline there. All the other deer used that and funneled right in front of me of my pop-up blind. And uh, yep. he somehow walked behind it into this gnarly, gnarly stuff that no deer should have been walking through. But he sure enough did. I never saw him. It was right before the sun came up, but I had a picture of him on that trail and I heard him and I heard antlers hitting the trees, you know, brush. It's like, that's definitely a buck. And sure enough, you know, check the trail camera. And boom, he pops up right on your cell camera. Yeah. Oh, so. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, those cell cams have came a long ways over the years now, and we're we're pretty proud of the the stealth and muddy line of cell cameras that we run. Um, that fusion cam, you know, I don't know if you've tried one out yet, but... I'm holding one in my hand. Goes, I have not made it back to the lease since... Uh, Yazelle sent it over, but yeah, I've okay. got one. Yeah, they, they, that's going to take you probably three minutes to set up from the time you pop the batteries in it, get it added to your account. I mean, it's it's about the easiest cell cam I've ever set up. Yeah, so pretty user-friendly. That's what I've, that's what they've told me. Oh, um, man, they're way easy to use. And the, the price point is user, I mean, it's pocketbook-friendly. Uh, I think the AT&T version is $199. Yeah, and it, you know, it's all going to depend on what retailer you purchase it from, um, whether you buy direct, and then we're going to have them at, at full retail, but you know, there's there's a handful of, I've seen them at dealers out there that are selling them for, for quite a bit less than that, so a quick Google search of, of that camera, you'll be able to see all kinds of competitive pricing out there. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the unique features? I mean, I've, I've been using the uh, the WXA for a couple of years and before that it was the what was it the gxw maybe it was um i mean a big old bulky thing i mean that's why it's it's funny to look at the technology and how these things have gotten smaller in size the data plans the monthly data plans have gotten much more affordable and the camera itself is no longer four or five hundred dollars yeah exactly i remember when first, when cell cams first came out they were huge big and bulky and you're right. I mean, you were spending 500 bucks and crazy expensive data plans, and 
know, they take 20 minutes to try to get them connected to, yeah. you know, to, to the app you use or logging in online. But, um, so I think looking at this fusion, you know, it's obviously ultra compact. Um, I think that the biggest thing though, for most people that they're going to appreciate is the fact that, uh, you know, just the, the ease of setup that that's one of the biggest things for, I think a lot of people, they're, they're a little bit nervous, I guess, to, there's some guys out there that are a little bit nervous to dive into that cell cam world because they really don't understand how, how easy it is to, to use these cameras and add them to, to, to your plan. Now, um, the, the rates are crazy affordable on this one and you can get rates as low as five bucks a month, mm-hmm. um, which there's many different options that, that the, whoever the user is can look through and, and decide when they're setting their camera up and change at any time. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys that they run their cell camera for three months a year and they're like, well, I really don't need it the other nine. So they'll, they'll just turn it off. You know, they'll cancel their subscription for nine months. And then they'll well, they don't have enough hogs then. Cause I, I mean, that's the other thing I'm using it for right now is, you know, I, I have a pretty good idea of when and where the hogs are going to show up on my, uh, on my other lease. Yep. So, and that's been fun for, you know, during quarantine, especially taking the kids to out there, um, you know, for a long weekend and being able to sit somewhere and know that you're going to see animals. Um, this is another, another perk of, uh, it is. Of using that it. most recent information is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, like yeah. we're, we've got like, for instance, here in Iowa, there's, there's four of us and we're, we're leasing around leasing and permission around 4,000 acres. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of ground to cover. And once the season, you know, you're all busy anyway. And then these this lands, and we've got it in four different counties now. Part of this farm is about an hour and thirty minutes from my house. Um, so even though we're paying these data rates, we're actually saving money and we're saving time because you know we don't want to go and to drive to all these farms and check all these cameras. If 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 I did it by myself, it'd be two days of work. Right, right. And um, there's so many times that you know. So now we're not we're not having to spend the gas money to to continue to go check them. We're saving money. We're saving time that way. But my my favorite thing is just knowing what's going on when I'm not there right away. Because there's been so many times where, you know, I don't want to be intrusive during the season. I want to try to stay out as much as I can and only move when the time's right, make a move on a deer. And I've went in and decided to, to hang a camera or, I mean, hunt hunt a stand that I walk by a camera, I check it, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have known this was going on a week ago mm-hmm. or I wish I would have known this buck was here. Like, I mean, I'm to the point now where, where we wake up in the morning and you check your app to see what new photos you've got. And then we make a decision on where to hunt based off of, you know, sometimes based off of what happened two, three hours before. Sure. Sure. So it's really upping our odds that way. You know, six cameras seems uh, a bit obsessive on 20 acres. But when you're chasing a buck like that and you only, you know, you have to catch him coming on or leaving, um, going back to what you said about not wanting to be intrusive, I set those up uh, before the pre-rut and then I didn't have to do anything with them uh, until exactly. essentially, the, you know, when the batteries finally ran out, it was maybe December. So have you, Hey, speaking of that, have you tried those solar packs that we have? Well, yeah, two of them, the batteries never ran out because I had two of those, so... Yeah, they work amazing. We've yeah. had, we've had, we start, we put our, so we, you know, we just put them out, our cell cams out. We had them out for turkey hunting, which actually I was pretty impressed with. Like, 
we knew exactly what where the turkeys were strutting at and how often they were there and whatnot but um mm-hmm. so we put them out for deer and started running them on um you know on corn piles early july and they're still they've taken thousands and thousands of photos and they're still running strong mm-hmm. which we got you know we have the solar packs on them so yeah those go a long ways and once again back to uh saving money you know we're, i don't know i don't know how long they're gonna last before we get to put batteries in them but i'm super impressed so far the only the only issue would ever be that sometimes the cows freaking step on pull the cord or, out or something yeah, and it's just manipulate they're uh they're paying the rear but we had that happen with, when we were using them with like raccoons they'll like go mess with the camera every now and then up here because mm-hmm. we've got a ton of coons up here i mean there's raccoons everywhere so we uh i started like you know, if I've got them on our on our ground mounts, I'll wrap the cord above the camera like twice. Like I'll wrap it around the, the camera, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'll just plug it in the bottom. So then if they're pulling on the very bottom, like where it's touching, the, where it's closest to the ground, it won't it won't pull that out. Mm. Well, and even the, the technology on the cords themselves. I mean, the first one I ever had, it didn't take long for squirrels to chew right through that thing. And then you, then you've got it wrapped in like that that coil that whatever it is the that thick wire. Yeah, they they won't chew on these at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as far as the the settings on the on the fusion, um, I think it's twenty six megapixel, um, eighty foot range, and I think like one of the other cool things is you get thirty you get a month free of uh, your. You know, subscription, your service, your data plan. Yeah, so that's one thing that's really cool about it is you get that first month free. Um, as far as the megapixels go, 26 uh, megapixel, no glow flash cam. Um, and, you know, that's one thing that people notice is when we're, when we transmit the images to the app, they're not quite as, they're not going to be as clear as when they check, if, when they pull the card out, mm-hmm. you ever go back and pull that card out you're going to see that those images are, you know, crazy clear. They're very, very crystal clear, um, 26 megapixel. But that's one thing we're, we're adding in the very near future is right now we wanted to make this as affordable as possible for the user um, without sacrificing, sacrificing too much quality. The higher compression ratio is the less data it's going to take and you're going to get more photos for your, for your, for your plant. Right. Right. So what we're going to do now, though, and it'll be just included in a firmware update, are is users, the guys who are like, man, I, I want a more clear image sent to my app than what is currently, you know, what's currently set on them, mm-hmm. is the user will just set bet- choose between a low or a medium quality. Okay. So if a guy's like, man, I want, you know, more crystal clear imagery sent to my app, he can choose that. Um, to get those clearer images, but it's he's not gonna he's not gonna get as many photos before he hits his you know his plan rate. He, you know it'll 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 be less photos because it'll be higher quality. So it's really whatever the user is gonna want. Then at some point we'll make it where you can choose between low, medium, or high. Yeah, and that is one thing. I've got four of those uh, WXAs on my app right now out of the other property, and uh, sending me pictures of hogs and watching the deer put on there. You know their antler growth; they're basically finishing up right now. Um, yep. But uh, one other cool thing that that I've personally used is is if you are a trapper, and this is something I got into this this past fall on that 20 acres. I just had coyotes 
all the time. And uh, so I started putting some uh, leg holds out, and I kept a camera. This was after the season ended, and uh, I kept a camera on each one of them. And so when I catch a coyote, they didn't suffer. You know, just drive over there, ten minute drive, dispatch them, boom, done. Um, so that's a good idea. I haven't heard of anybody using them like that, but that's a great idea. Yeah, I had one on you know, on each set, and uh, and 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 it was cool to see. You know, sometimes them messing with it and how they thwarted me and beat me but uh there were a few times where i got lucky and and the uh obviously the the trail camera alerted me to that and if there was any we, other have, we have people that are using them for home security too oh yeah done that as well but mostly yeah. i got pictures of my son playing basketball so exactly yeah <laughs> when we when we we went on vacation earlier this year and i just put like two or three of them um around the house there and it worked pretty good. I mean, I never really thought of using one like that before until I was like, hey, well, they're sitting here. I might as well put them out and see what, what, what if anything goes on while I'm gone, you know, just for peace of mind. Yeah. And then, you know, inside the inside the app, that's one thing we're pretty proud of is the app that we have. I mean, there's a lot of cool features that users can, can utilize. There's a photo tracker on there where, you know, each camera you can – you can put it on the map where it's at and then in the photo tracker you can see when peak movement times are you can look at one day one week etc and it'll show you on a graph you know what's going on and when when it's getting the most activity mm-hmm. so that's one thing that was pretty cool this year with that new app that that we came out with that i really enjoyed yeah it's been fun to utilize that technology yeah one th- another thing that's nice about this one um is so when you go, let's say you got whatever farm you were just talking about that that camera's on. You named it whatever you named that camera, and and you go there, and especially if you've been running them as hard as we have, and you've got 2,500 photos that are showing up, you know, underneath that camera. Yeah. Um, one thing I like this year is like when we check it, and there's a a big buck on it, you can star the image to make it one of your favorites. And the top left, where it's going to say all photos, where all your photos are showing up, you can just click on that and then click on favorites. So then now you don't have to go through all those other images. If you want to go back and look like, oh, when was that buck here two weeks ago? Well, now if you, as soon as you see it the first time, you just save it to your favorites, and it just makes that so much quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, well, folks can find it at uh, stealthcam.com. And then monthly plans you said as low as five dollars a month. Yeah, they're as low as five dollars a month. Um, Which you, the cool thing is, you there. don't have to go through AT and T anymore or Verizon. You just go through the Stealth Cam website. I forgot to mention that. That is, I mean, that's paramount. Have, not having, you know, cutting out the middleman is it's awesome. Just do it all under Stealth Cam. Really it user makes friendly. Makes it way easier. Makes it way easier for everybody. I think, and honestly, one thing that I that we found out you know, the last year, is that what you just said is actually a, a question we get asked a lot more than people would realize. People will go, okay, well, I'll buy that camera, then how do I connect it to my network? Do I have to go into Verizon or US Cellular or whatever? No, you don't have to do that. Well, cool stuff, Chris. I certainly appreciate it, man. I hope you, you, you put your tag on one of those big Iowa bruisers this fall. Yeah, I'll be in touch with you if I do, and I hope you do the same, man. I appreciate your time. And uh, appreciate everything you do for us. Well, I appreciate it, man. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. Sounds great.
Chris Duncan of GSM Outdoors and Stealth Cam. And I highly recommend that everyone at least get one wireless, especially if you have kiddos. I mean, my kids love opening the app and going through the photos every day, just seeing what's there and uh, love looking at the wildlife. So two thumbs up. Even if you go with a, a competitor, um, your kids will really enjoy that. Uh, that segment, by the way, was proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. The date is July 24th through August 2nd, 2021. If you want to be a part of that trip, I'll be going on what should be at the time Safari number five with John X. Love to have you join. Shoot me an email, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com if you want to be a part of that trip. Uh, man, we got to go. Got to get out of here. We're flat out of time. Thanks to Carl Van Seal. And uh, Kevin Harlander, as well as Chris Duncan of StealthCam, will be back with a brand new show next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Shotgun, it's riding shotgun, and we're both fixing to. Un-